or maybe you start noticing that you are very negative on the golf course or hmm. you slap your knee after you miss a putt. I would really take mental note of that. What you're doing in practice, you want to implement in in competition. So you're not just doing it when the time, you know, whenever you're playing in a tournament and the, the pressure is high or uh, you really need to play well, but working on these things in practice. From Foundation's Mental Performance, it's The Mental Golf Show, a show all about golf and what role the mind plays in helping you play better. What is Foundation's Mental Performance, you ask? What a great question. I decided to change the name of my company from Josh Nichols Golf Mental Coaching to Foundation's Mental Performance. I wanted to make it less about myself and more about what I think is most important that you build your game from the ground up based on a strong foundation of preparation, trust, and acceptance. I'm Josh Nichols, and on today's show, what Elizabeth McCloskey and Lauren Greenspoon have learned while writing their master's theses on some very interesting topics about one of the most important parts of the game, putting. both of you could introduce yourselves and kind of tell me what you guys are working on. Yeah. So I'm Elizabeth McCloskey. I go to the university of North Texas and I am studying kinesiology, but the emphasis is in sports psychology. Um, just a little bit of background. I played college golf. So that's kind of really where this study stemmed from. And in this specific study, I'm focused on positive self-talk, confidence and anxiety and really try and see how that affects golfers putting because pot putting is so important in the golf game. And so we really wanted to focus on that aspect of golf. And Lauren Greenspoon is also going to the University of North Texas. Getting a master's in kinesiology with an emphasis in sports psychology. And kind of as Elizabeth was saying about our research and our study of focus, um, so on my end, kind of looking more at uh, whether pre-performance routines, um, pre-putt anxiety and confidence predict golf handicap. Um, and then also kind of seeing how golfers who either use pre-performance routines versus those that don't, um, if, that, if there are any differences that exist between state confidence and state anxiety um, at different putting distances. And as she was saying, we think putting is very important, a very important aspect of golf. Um, and although I was not a collegiate golfer, um, I have a twin brother who plays professional golf. And so seeing him um, in that realm and seeing the importance um, of putting and just kind of the mental skills in golf kind of have led me to where we are now. Mm. So um, what level is your brother at, Lauren? Uh, so he turned pro last year, about a year ago. Um, so he's not currently like on a tour or anything. He was working towards um, getting on the Corn Fury tour um, and just missed um, making it to third stage. Right. Um, and so he's still on that pursuit of hopefully um, working his way up um, onto a tour right now, but just playing in 
obviously not currently with what's <laughs> going on, um, but was playing in like Monday qualifiers and uh, played in the Texas State Open and just some larger tournaments to hopefully kind of get out there and make his way up. Right. Um, and Elizabeth, where did you play college golf? I played at Rogers State University, which is a small town in um, Claremore, Oklahoma. It's kind of near Tulsa. Mm. Um, and I got to play there before I, I transferred schools to the University of Oklahoma. But that's mm. kind of where I started. I'm going to sh- show my cards a little. I don't know much about the academic side of things, so it, I might <laughs> sound a little ignorant. But I'm just I'm interested in how you guys both ended up um, – working on this very specific thing, not just psychology, not just golf, um, not just golf psychology, but like putting and, you know, very specific things. Uh, that kind of interests me. So, I'm, you know, how did you guys get into that deep of a rabbit hole? I think, uh, I think we both had an interest in, in golf. Um, I think at first we were pretty open to other sports, um, and other athletes and then kind of in doing our research and kind of what we were interested in um, narrowing our focus and so I think whenever it came to narrowing our focus we were both interested in golf and you know Elizabeth having experience I played a little bit but more so my brother's experience um, we were both interested in that realm and then also kind of the aspects that we were looking or that we were looking at um, we're both pretty similar and so again I think in just our interests and kind of narrowing our focus it kind of led us here and then and working with our advisor Dr. Martin um, he kind of thought it would be most beneficial to kind of collaborate on our uh, research together and so although we're kind of looking at similar things we're also a little bit separate and kind of looking at things um, differently, but I think it just kind of went back to whenever we were starting to narrow our focus, what our interests were, um, that just kind of led us here. Hmm. I hope that answered it a little bit. <laughs> sure. Um, so, you know, why, I, I know you guys both said putting, it's extremely important part of golf and I totally agree. And it does, it seems to be possibly the most mental part of golf, Mm -hmm. but I do, maybe that's simply it, but um, yeah, why putting? Well, in my own experience through golf, I used a lot of uh, mental skills. My college golf coach was really big on that, and we read a lot of books, kind of like golf is not a game of perfect, and (laughs) mindset, and it really narrowed down to that at the end of the day, you have to make your putt or you're really not going to make par. Like, yeah, you can get it up and down for par, but if you're not, if you're going to three putt or you miss that eagle or you miss that birdie, it comes down to your mindset. And so that's kind of why we narrowed it down to putting is a lot of the tour players, if you look at strokes gained or you really look at their statistics, their, some putting is either on par and it's amazing or it's not. And that's where you see the scores go up. And a lot of instances, if you know, you're playing par or you're under, it's because you're making those putts and you're making it for birdie. And so we kind of came together and we wanted to just know kind of, we, we wanted golf, but then to try and get more into the specifics instead of taking all aspects of golf. 
And that's how we really try to hone in on putting is because it's so important. And a lot of mental errors come from putting. Like you could either you'd be negative or you didn't do your performance routine right and you push the ball or you pull it and that costs you another stroke. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of to add on that, just the end of what Elizabeth was saying and kind of diving into previous research and what other studies have done or um, kind of examined, uh, we found that just specifically looking at putting wasn't as common as mo- like most of the studies were kind of looking at golf as a whole or looking at a round of golf. And so in kind of creating something a little bit different and um, adding to existing research and kind of creating something that has really never been done, um, we decided to just focus on putting. Right, so I, um, I'm interested in the like actual mechanics of um, of the study itself, and or how how you can study and do research on this. It's a it's a huge part of my you know what I'm pursuing and in, in trying to help players is finding a tangible way to you know track progress and improvement in the mental side of things and you know, a lot of it's self-reported and kind of qualitative, just words they're telling me as opposed to real data. And so do you guys, uh, do you, is it mostly like hard numbers and data that you guys are working with? Or is it a lot of, you know, self-reported uh, statements, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So it's funny you asked that. Uh, so prior to COVID-19, we were actually on our way to doing intervention. And so we would be working one-on-one with these golfers or participants that were in our study and kind of honing in on a routine and self-talk and kind of what that looked like in hopes that it would improve their performance and uh, increase their confidence, reduce their anxiety. Um, But because of the events that have kind of taken place, we had to shift our Mm -hmm. study and kind of our focus. And so, Now we are just doing a one-time survey. And so this is more self-reported, obviously. And so um, kind of examining these variables through multiple questionnaires. Hmm. So we don't necessarily have a way of, um, or I guess like this, this is more of just kind of their, their feelings and thoughts Hmm. Um, surrounding these variables when it comes to putting, um, but not necessarily like an intervention or a way to, I guess, specifically improve um, in these areas. Right. So it's it was going to be a um, here are actual things that we want you guys to try and see what it results in, but now it's more of um, – the the test subject or the person saying this is how I feel and this these were my results exactly yeah you know a lot of a lot of what I'm asking you guys is kind of selfish like how I can better do my thing I'm super interested in what you guys are trying to study and learn and the relation between anxiety and self-talk and results of putting I'm super interested in that Mm -hmm. but I I am 
selfishly interested in knowing once you get the that survey of people's feelings and and what they self-report and and this is their results and then maybe on down the line they they work on something and they self-report again and get different results i just wonder how how you can quantify the those self-reported feelings. Yeah, I mean, in our um, previous study that we had come up with, we were going to give them cue cards for them to track their self-talk or how their pre-performance routine, what they created for themselves. So that can be another way that you can keep track of how they're doing or how they think they're doing. Um, But they definitely can take this survey much down the road and their feelings can change. But usually when they take it again and we notice that they have been implementing their self-talk or or a pre-performance routine, we notice that the answers are different in a positive way instead Mm -hmm. of negative. Mm -hmm. So that is one way you can track it instead of it all being just, you know, raw data. But you could definitely see longitudinal how they change over time with Mm -hmm. implementing these different types of skills. What are some of the things, are you, are you still giving them, I, I know you said cue cards that you were going to do, um, are you still giving them ways to work on it or is it just simply being aware that of, of, of their thoughts? So right now um, with how the study is and like Lauren said with COVID, it's right. pretty much just how they're aware of their thoughts now. Right, right. So you know, some people could take this survey and then they could really reflect on it and try and understand the surveys that they took or simply some maybe not took that much into detail of what they just answered. But really, it's kind of just data for us to collect. And then we can put it out there and say, you know, these mental skills do work for putting. Um, and we think this because of the data that we collected. Right. So where are you at? in in this i know you you asked me to help get out your study um so obviously you haven't come to a final conclusion but are you able to say like strongly one way or the other this is these kind of things usually help players um right now since we so we have the survey out i want to say for about three to four weeks um so we haven't had a ton of participants come back and take the survey we've had a good amount but not a lot to really where we could see some differences in the data Uh, but based on past research we know that these type of variables help in other aspects and other sports so we hope to see that in putting as well and that's hopefully we get enough participants to, to where that will reflect the data, but right now it's too early to tell with right. how people have answered. For sure. So um, in order to be a good master's thesis, it doesn't have to, you don't have to get good results. It's more of, we're just finding out if this can help golfers with their putting. It's not necessarily, in order to be a successful study, we have to find out that beyond a doubt, this will help. With this study, are you, you're just finding out good or bad what this can do? Right. And I mean, we hope in some way um, that this could be a benefit, uh, whether that's 
kind of showing um, that these that are variables, so pre-performance or pre-shot routines and uh, positive self-talk can be of benefit in reducing anxiety and increasing confidence mm. um, and even, you know, how it affects their golf handicap. Um, and so, I mean, the results may not show that. Um, and it is what it is, but we, we hope that, you know, it, it does as we're um, hypothesizing that it does um, have those benefits. Um, and hopefully we do find that. Um, that in some way, uh, maybe in the future, a future study could kind of expand on our research or even we could maybe fall back into um, the intervention that we were right. originally doing. Right. So do you, do you both have interests beyond this to, um, I know you said maybe fall back on it and take it further, but do you, is this, is this just simply a kind of a temporary, like, this is what we want to do for master's thesis. So let's, let's enjoy this for a second. Or is this like lifetime research, you know, career type things that for either of you? For me personally, I have planned to pursue my PhD, but really to focus on sports psychology in the applied setting. Mm. Um, so I, I mean, from my background, I have history and with golf, but I just want to take this and help as many other athletes and people that I can with sports psychology. But if that doesn't come, you know, to light or nothing comes of it, we have that to kind of fall back on that we did create this research and we know how to create research and we got this type of data um, Mm -hmm. and really take that into the field with us to help others in all different aspects of mental skills. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Um, I've, I've been thinking about pursuing my PhD as well. Um, but then also, I've caddied for my brother on a number of occasions and really enjoy that. And working in the golf, golf world, I think how important mental, mental skills is for golf and just kind of seeing that um, in this and through my brother. Um, it's really given me like a passion to maybe one day work with you know PGA Tour players or golfers in some capacity um but I think in general as Elizabeth was saying that regardless of kind of where this goes or what we do we can still kind of have this in our back pocket and know um what we've done and what we what we found through all this whether it was you know starting to do an intervention and some of that applied work and also kind of this more um, survey data that we're collecting as well. What is the timeline of this? I know everything's crazy, but we're we're also going into the summer. So is this something you guys do you can, regardless of school being in session? Yeah. So data collection, regardless, it's going to happen throughout the summer. But timeline-wise, we are hoping to be finished with everything by the end of June. Because ultimately, we still have to defend our thesis, and that's mm. kind of how we graduate. We get our master's, and that would be at the beginning of July. So this right. is something that we have been working on even last summer in preparation to collect data. So it's been a long time mm. coming to be full circle. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so how how did you put together a survey? I, I've, I've also 
um, kind of created a like an an assessment that I I give players to like okay here's a baseline of where we're starting and this kind of gives me a rough idea of of how you think in relation to golf and I I me and my kind of mentor um, Robert Linville in Greensboro we we created that assessment but it's nothing like I'm sure it's nothing you know scientifically backed up like you're you guys but how did you create like what went into putting together a survey that would test players mental games so for kind of looking at self-talk and how we're also looking at confidence and anxiety really we dove into past research and we had I had a number of surveys that I wanted to see if I could use but ultimately only a couple really fit what I wanted to look at so it was kind of looking at past research and seeing what, what I wanted to get out of this study and dwindling it down to the certain surveys that I felt I would get um, the certain answers out of or the data that I was trying to collect. So one of my surveys is a sport confidence inventory and I kind of tailored that to putting. So a lot of the statements are asking if they have confidence in their ability to putt and they would rate that on a scale. So that's kind of how it's it's kind of a long process to look at all the different research but ultimately you have to find something that you know kind of goes with your hypothesis or you're trying to get out of what you want to find right it's got a you can't just throw a bunch of questions against the wall and and see what sticks it's got to be this is what i'm trying to find out and these questions can maybe hint that direction Mm -hmm. right what is your um just out of curiosity what did your assessment um i guess assess or what are you Mm -hmm. kind of looking at in your assessment so ours is um i think it's i think it's a little over a hundred questions or statements uh, and it's like uh things like i love the challenge of the game i i always practice with you know, music playing. I'd rather play with friends than by myself. And these these questions we've kind of um, pointed towards different traits in like love of the game, um, you know, self-talk being one of them, uh, anxiety and nervousness. Uh, and, and there's like 18 different traits. And, you know, if you answer that you you'd rather play with friends than by yourself. Maybe we said that that leads, or that means that you are, you know, kind of low in, in a certain category. And um, there's so many questions and traits that I, I don't have them memorized, but it's like, um, we're just, we're trying to get an overall look at what we feel is a good mental game and a bad mental game. So our own bias is kind of filling this assessment a little bit, but so it's not a great, it's not a perfect assessment, but it does give us kind of just, this is what they say in response to, uh, I love, you know, I love the challenge of golf. And if they say, I don't love the challenge of golf and they want to see a mental coach, that's something that we need to address. Cause if you want to be a good competitive player, you need to love the challenge of, of the game. 
So mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's a very broad assessment. It's, it doesn't like, and, and, you know, right at the top, we say this is not scientific. This is not meant to diagnose any kind of mental illness, nothing like that. But it, um, yeah, just, it's a nice general thing that gives us an introduction to the player. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm interested in, in seeing your guys and, and I'm definitely interested in the results of it. And, um, so kind of where you're at, I know you're, you're still taking in information. Um, but do you have something that you could tell players that, you know, are maybe listening to this, um, that these things will definitely help and these things will definitely not help kind of, uh, putting anxiety and confidence? Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the word definite um, because I think it's probably different for each person um, and may work better for some than others. But I think um, especially in the pre-performance routine or like a pre-shot routine side of things, um, it's very individualized. And I think kind of finding and what works for you and kind of maybe what you already do. So um, whether that's aligning your feet or taking a practice swing or two practice swings or kind of visualizing the target or whatever, whatever you do um, kind of before your shot or even using a positive self-talk word or a cue word, um, just kind of finding what you do and um maybe what works and what doesn't work um, and kind of going from there, but kind of already seeing and utilizing what you have um, and then maybe either elaborating on it or kind of fine tuning a routine that kind of best works mm. for you. Um, but previous research has indicated and noted that pre-performance routines can improve overall performance. Um, just by kind of enhancing one's focus and uh, kind of maybe other um, potential distractions um, and just kind of feeling in control of of your game. And so, again, previous research has backed up these routines, but again, it's kind of individualized. And so finding what works for you and kind of what you are currently doing. Right. So. finding what works and then tying it to results and seeing, okay, you had good results when you did this. So let's double down on that and kind of strip away everything else. Yeah. And I would also say like with a lot of golfers to really self reflect, um, I know that it could work for positive self-talk or performance routines. If you know that something's not working, it's okay to implement something like positive self-talk or maybe you start noticing that you are very negative on the golf course or Hmm. you slap your knee after you miss a putt i would really take mental note of that um, because all those things are little triggers that add up and you could completely blow around and later on after 18 holes a lot of people will sit there and say i don't know what went what, what went wrong and a lot of the time it's because you weren't focused or maybe you didn't implement a performance routine or maybe you did at the beginning but then you got so mad at yourself because you were doing so bad and then you all started going downhill and so then you didn't you know rehearse the same way as you did on hole one
-hmm. or you didn't implement your positive self-talk, you know, with every shot. Because a lot of the time when you're doing bad, you're going to start talking negatively, whether that's to yourself or out loud or to your golf ball. And that could really take away from the focus and your confidence. If you're speaking negative thoughts or you're telling yourself you can't do it, then likely that's going to become your belief. And that could really kind of just go south really quick on anyone's golf game for a tournament or whether that's practice, just starting to implement small little changes can really add up mm-hmm. and you can definitely see a small improvement, if not a big improvement in your golf game. Hmm. And I, and I think kind of going off of that too, um, and Elizabeth, you were touching on this, but uh, finding consistency in what you're doing, uh, whether that's in practice or in competition. And so what you're doing in practice, you want to implement in, in competition. So you're not just doing it when the time, you know, whenever you're playing in a tournament and the, the pressure is high or uh, you really need to play well, but working on these things in practice or um, in, you know, off time or whatever it may be, but just finding consistency in what you're doing and when you're doing it. And so then it becomes more, normal and you don't really have to think as much on it it just becomes kind of a natural habit but just kind of finding consistency in in what you're doing and so whether you're you're playing poorly or or not you're still kind of staying true to whatever it is that you that you're doing that's a that's a really good point because um what i see a lot of players doing is okay, now that it's tournament time, now that it's serious and important, right. now now let's like, let's buckle down and do all the right mental things. But right. that that perpetuates the thought that this is different, this is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I'm outside my comfort zone. Whereas if you had been kind of thinking that way all along, the tournament mm-hmm. wouldn't feel so ramped up and, and difficult. Right. Yeah. So kind of practicing um, for this or preparing for this as it's just another, another tournament or another practice hmm. and um, kind of approaching it maybe in uh, in more of a similar way. Um, and yeah, I just think finding consistency because you wouldn't go to a tournament and do um, or hit a shot that's, you know, you've never practiced or, um, do something you've never done before. And so why, why would you just now start doing a mental skills or hmm. um, something different at the tournament just because the pressure is a little bit higher or you're feeling whatever it may be. And so I think just kind of being aware of how you're feeling or thinking or, you know, performing and finding consistency and routine, um, whether that's in practice um, or competition, but being able to implement what you're doing throughout your whole game. So is there actual, you know, scientific research that backs up like consistent routine is, is almost always good and inconsistent. And I guess I'm talking like specifically pre-shot routine. Is there actual research that says that's good and inconsistent is bad? 
just to clarify, whenever you say inconsistent, are you are you meaning like the routine is inconsistent or um, they're not doing it very often or? Right. Uh, so like if if you um, if you find that it always helps that I do two practice swings, take a breath, line up and and hit the ball with the same like you maybe you guys have seen, you know, Tiger Woods pre-shot routine you could put on a clock. Mm -hmm. And yeah. is, is there like research that says that's the good way to do it? And and big variation in in pre-shot routine is the bad way to do it. I haven't necessarily looked that much on time per se. Oh, right. um, and I I honestly um there probably is more research than I am aware of or know or have, have looked at, oh, sure. <laughs> um, but I'm sure there's plenty that backs up kind of in all realms of, of pre-performance routines, whether it's um, a certain aspect or time or whatever it may be. But in, in the research that I've done, um, implementing both a cognitive aspect, so that could be um, more like visualizing um, the target or maybe some imagery or um, using a, a, a keyword um, and then a behavioral uh, component. So whether that's aligning your feet or taking a practice swing or something of that effect, using both of those components have been shown to um, be of benefit. And um, there was also a study, this isn't golf related, but um, it was in basketball free throw shooting. And they had found that those that used a pre-performance routine, um, I believe it was like 90% of the time compared to those that did not use one had higher free throw shooting percentage. And so I think that kind of goes back to the consistency of whatever your routine is and maintaining that um, shows more of a benefit in performance than maybe that inconsistency or just doing it every so often. That's, I mean, that's as practical as I could, I could mm -hmm. imagine. It's like implement a routine and practice it. Um, and you'll probably, if, if not immediate results, you'll, you'll feel more comfortable on the course and, um, and that might lead to good results. Right. And yeah, and that's what we could only hope is that kind of feeling that comfort and um, again, just kind of having it become natural. And so it might not be, you know, results right away and that's okay, but becoming aware of what you're doing um so then you're able to do it without really having to think about it and it just becomes normal and natural and then hopefully the results will follow hmm. yeah i um yeah i think that's that's an excellent uh that's that's helpful advice i know you guys haven't reached a conclusion yet um and i will certainly follow back up with you guys to find out what your conclusions are, but um, yeah, just just the the knowledge that consistency of routine can help. Mm -hmm. um, right. That's certainly helpful. 
Uh, yeah, and I and I think um, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but finding what you're already doing, so not necessarily completely changing. Right. You know, uh, this player does this, so I have to do right. this, or they say I have to do this, or you know, whatever it may be. But finding, because I'm sure most people already have a routine without probably knowing it or really paying attention or becoming aware of it, and so. I think just starting, and Elizabeth mentioned this also, is just one, becoming aware of kind of what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're saying, and, you know, seeing what is a benefit, maybe what's, what's helpful, what's not helpful, and then kind of going from there, um, but starting off with that awareness piece before um, creating action or, you know, putting it towards, towards action. Hmm. Very good. Yeah. Um, finding out what helps you and doubling down on it and, Mm -hmm. and not just, not just copying other people like tiger does this. So I'm going to do this. um, That's, that's good. Well, I appreciate you guys. I mean, do you have any kind of parting thoughts or anything like that? I would just say if anyone's, you know, any golfer out there that's listening to this, that maybe in like a mental rut or is, you know, in a performance plateau to really, just be self-aware and practice like you're going to play. Never go out there and hit a hybrid and like from the sand, if you do not know the outcome of that, or maybe you hit a punch shot from the woods and you've never practiced that. So really, you know, for junior golfers, especially practice like you're going to play, go out on the driving range and get in the same mental mindset that you would get, you know, on the first tee. And especially when you're out there playing nine holes or 18 holes for practice, play like you're in a tournament and use those mental skills that you've learned in a practice setting. So when you get to a tournament, you don't feel stressed and you're not, you know, you don't have, you've lost focus and you know how to refocus your thoughts and you can accept what you cannot change. If you bogey a hole, you're able to move on from it. So if you're able to do that, in practice, you are likely to do that in a tournament setting and vice versa. So just really practice what you're going to play and not just go out there and think that, you know, all this practice that I'm doing, is going to be fine. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do amazing because if you're not practicing like you're going to play, the odds are not very good. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, touche um, all around. And I think even uh, practicing these mental skills, not only just in practice, but even in times that you're not practicing. So maybe if you're sitting at home or, you know, somewhere else, um, weightlifting or whatever it may be. Um, but in a way that could, that you're, you know, helping your golf game, um, just being able to work on mental skills, um, on your own, and um again just really practicing like you want to play and um being able to implement that whenever you do get to competition and um as i know josh you work with professional golfers that you know you're all at that high level and you all have the skill but what's going to set you apart and so i guess just really focusing on what is going to set you apart and I think with golf, it's just the mental skill is so there and the mental side is, you know, very, um, very important. So being able to elevate that mental side, I think can really propel your game and 
um, take you even further than kind of where you already are. Mm. I couldn't say it better than what you guys just said. That's awesome. Um, so is there, is there a place people could go to take the survey or is it simply like you send it and people take it? Yeah, well, we have a, a link that they can um, take it from. So we would have to send it um, to them. They can't, like, we don't have like a web page for it or anything sure, like yeah. that. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I would love it if you, if, I, if you could get it to me and I could spread it to my players. I'd love to do that for you guys. We yeah, definitely. Appreciate that so much. I would appreciate that so much. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like you're trying to get as many players as possible. And um, yeah. I don't, I don't have hundreds of players, but I can, um, what few I do, I, I'll, I'll get it to them for sure. Anyone? Yeah, every little bit counts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. We appreciate anything, um, but we really appreciate your time and having us yeah. on here and being able to talk about this. Oh no, thank you guys. Um, you guys are the ones doing the real work. I'm just, I'm just over here trying to, trying to get by. <laughs> so thank you guys for what you're doing to, to kind of push um, golf research forward. That's, that's huge for the game. So um, applause to you guys. Hopefully we can, you know, make an impact and hopefully continue this in some way or another. Elizabeth McCloskey and Lauren Greenspoon are master's students at the University of North Texas. If you'd like to take their survey on putting and the mental game, the link will be in the show notes. It would really help them out. And if you'd like to know more about Foundations Mental Performance, head to foundationsmp.com. I'm Josh Nichols, and thanks for listening to The Mental Golf Show.